Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the after party. Players, how are we feeling on this first leg of the Divine Labyrinth? We heisted, and now we're doing a labyrinth. God, I just love d and <laughs> It's so good. It's I'm so feeling good. divine, Amanda. I'm not. Eric, well, how are uh, you feeling? How's how's all the entrapping you've been doing of us? Good. Uh, it, nothing is more fun than sending all of you out of the room. I really enjoy it. I know. It really is fun. Uh, I also want to say that uh, since I record in person with Amanda, we're here in the Multitude Studio. She does leave the room when I'm doing the, the episodes with Julia. And yep. then when I need to get her back, obviously with Brandon, I send him a message. Uh, the thing that happens is that when I call Amanda in, she because she's sitting, she's like... 20 feet away from me, but sh- there is a window in between me and her. She can of, see hey, me. Eric, soundproof glass. A soundproof, <laughs> a soundproof, for sure. But she can see me. So I knock on the window, and every time Amanda looks like she's in fourth grade and her teacher told her to stop sharpening pencils so much. Yeah, it's it's not fair. It's not proportional. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, simp- it's, listen, that's on me. This is a little bit of a tangent here, but I wanted to sympathize with you, Amanda, because uh, I realized the other day that I still have that impulse because I was on the rooftop uh, gardening and giving my crows peanuts. And I, we haven't. nobody knows that we give the crows peanuts. And I always have back in my head, I'm like, is it annoying that there's peanut shells and or birds everywhere to everyone? <laughs> and my neighbor came up and she started chatting for me for a second. And I had to, like, I felt like I got caught giving peanuts to the yes. birds. Caught peanut-handed. Like, oh, uh, I yeah. was just snacking. Uh. Uh, I wasn't skateboarding. Um... I was just using it um, as, just as a measure. It, it yeah. was just I'm just holding it. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel still have that grade school feeling of <laughs> oh shit, I broke a rule. I'm I gotta I have to move. I can't do anything else but move no. now. I simply have to leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Brandon, you shouldn't live next to your middle school principal. That's on you. <laughs> God, can you imagine you move into an apartment next door is like Mr. Llewellyn from middle school? <laughs> Uh, shout out to Dr. Dowling, my elementary school teacher, who was uh, indicted by the police for stealing computers, and the BOE fired him and all that stuff. Shout Woo! out to Dr. Dowling. Thanks. Yeah. Well, guys, I'm excited to debut a new patron feature <laughs> well, uh, here hey, on the you, after party. If you like hearing things about our personal yes. lives, is, is the transition. Eric, you can you're have exactly that. right. Because we are starting something new. And on Party Planning, which, as you know, is our patron-only podcast that we release every two weeks in audio and video form, an additional bi-weekly slash fortnightly podcast from us, just for patrons, we're introducing a new kind of episode called... The Conversation Pit, baby. The Conversation Pit! How mid-century modern of us. Every house should have one, but now our Patreon does. Yep, there's shag carpet all over the place, and it feels like you can nap at any given moment. And this is, of course, (laughs) uh, not of course, now you know for the first time, this is where you can ask us anything about ourselves, our lives, sandwiches, our opinions on stuff. The kind of thing that sometimes you ask very good questions for the after parties, but there's so much to talk about in the show that those questions are at the bottom of the list. And so now, if you're a patron, you can join the brand new Conversation Pit channel in our patron-only Discord starting today, and you can leave your questions for us there. And hey, that that is the question. That is the cue. That is the line. Your your questions yeah. are right there. Mm-hmm, Do it. Mm-hmm. We're folding this into our content strategy that we've been doing on the party planning. So we're still going to do uh, random other stuff that we do on party planning. We're going to hopefully do more Conversation Pits episodes so you all know more stuff about us. Sure, if you're a patron, your questions will be considered first. However, if you do submit personal questions to us via social media and also when we ask for after party questions or you do ask personal ones and we don't get to them in after party, they will be moved to 
that document and you will be considered after uh, the patron stuff or we will fold it in as well. Also, if you want to listen to this, the first episode that we do of this will end up on the full main feed. It won't be just the, the preview. We'll put a, the full one up there. They get a whole episode, Eric? A, a full episode. free episode about yeah. us and people crisp. they know in their ears. That's such a deal. It's crisp video. Kerbst. Kerbst so video. Mm-hmm. It's going to yeah. be great. So everyone can, everyone can, like, we'll put it public on Patreon, yeah, the video. So you guys, so everyone can watch the video, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can't. Julia is 7'4". No one would be surprised. <laughs> I seem so small. And so Victor went Vinyama, same Damn it, I was going to say that. No, okay, you can say it. No, no, no. No, you say it. No, no, no. no go ahead. No, you don't. No, you already did it. Eric told me yesterday about Victor Wembanyama, um, who was the first draft pick last year, um, and his, his proportions are very funny. He's very, very He's very large. He's very large. <laughs> That's cool. I love that. Well, guys, I can't wait to meet all of you in the conversation pit in a few weeks' time. But in the meantime, lots to talk about with the end of the Boiling Reef arc and the beginning of the Divine Labyrinth. So let's uh, take our minds out of the maze that we are trapped in uh, earlier to the conclusion of the heist and the reveal of that freaking door in episode 25, (laughs) Legends of the Boiling Reef 3. Uh, Wow, Uh, this was a lot. And Eric, I just want to start with this question from Ceci. How many doorknobs is too many? (laughs) I would say there should be one doorknob, and any door that has more than one doorknob can go suck my ass. <laughs> I think zero doorknobs. Is I think everything do- should be push or pull. All yeah, everything should be push or pull. <laughs> it, wow, it's uh yeah, the door has a handle on both sides, so you don't know which one is pull and which one is push. So that's the puzzle. Yep. Yeah. Or it's one of those um, like farmhouse doors where the top can swing open so you can like call your children in for dinner with a cowbell. Mm-hmm. Then that's the only scenario where two knobs is okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Um, I think three doorknobs is appropriate <laughs> as a puzzle. Well, we know right. that now. Yeah. Let's let's drill down on this. This is from Save Man. I'm curious, Eric, did you expect the players to have such a hard time with the door? <laughs> what a read. Um, also, what was your thought process for creating the ship, the crew, and the door? Unique pieces on all of it compared to what we've seen so far. Did you? Hey, Eric, did you think that we were that dumb? Did you it think doesn't we matter. When we, when we jumped through it and ended up in the ocean, which you did tell us we would do, and then we acted shocked. Was that bad for you? It was really <laughs> funny. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny. Me too. Me too. Um, no, I mean, like, again, when you make puzzles, when you're GMing a game, you either have a very specific answer in mind, and the answer is, like, mechanical. You know, it's like a, it's like a video game puzzle, right? It's like, you know, when, when you have to do, like, a real-life quiz in a video game, it's always like, what the fuck? I'm not – I don't know how many number Pokemon there are in the <laughs> ghost gym. Like, I don't know why you're asking me this question. <laughs> Uh, there's a reference, that's a reference to Pokemon Platinum. Uh, but it's more about like, you have to do these series of things. It's more of like an action puzzle, right? It's not like an actual puzzle puzzle. Or you just kind of set something up and you see what happens. So I was thinking like, you guys need to discover the knobs in the various ways that you did. And you were close. You just like didn't look at the door, uh, at all, which was the funny part. Mm-hmm. That's correct. This, mm-hmm. I, I want to say this is like the second time in this campaign in which Eric has done a very traditional D&D puzzle <laughs> and we have failed miserably at it. I mean, the only D&D media I consume is this podcast and occasionally, <laughs> you know, others. But uh, it, this is I don't know. Like I, I have uh, my gameplay. You have seen it all. And the puzzles I solve are the puzzles Eric gives me. So yeah. for borrowing those traditional D&D puzzles, I'm like, what? I feel like this is like not a con, but like a long 
a long thing coming, like a where Eric was like, I'm going to spend like four years teaching these people to not expect the easy things, and then I'm going to throw the easy things at them. And now we're going to be like, all right, now we got to look for the third knob, and we got. Well, if we if we drill down on this though, the I guess D and D puzzle, quote unquote, is doing an investigation check to find a secret door, the third knob, right? Right. The th- the the Eric puzzle, it was the was the brain thing. Was that yeah. was using yeah. making sure that the revealed brain reflected off the thing. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that you did that already, but you didn't do the basic thing as well. I thought the hard thing would have been, oh, I need to drag an enemy over here to unlock it, a la an iris scanner. Yeah, but isn't that also a D- classic D&D puzzle where, like, the light crystals in the wall thing... Yeah, but up? it was more like a that was more like an action movie. I was comparing it to like an iris, like I said, yeah, an iris yeah, yeah. scan in in, a, scan. in a yeah retinal scan. No, Julia, I need to see how big <laughs> you have to get really engaged in something, and your iris needs to get really big. <laughs> I have to look at something beautiful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell me why my brain just said more like rectum scan. Oh no, I, man! No, I don't know. Oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> that's a real Dungeons and Daddies puzzle. That's different. <laughs> um, so no, it was like kind of like well, that's why I did three. It was like regular doorknob, more standard, make an make an investigation roll, and then kind of like a action movies type thing, which I usually do. But my point is that the next puzzle, we're gonna get ready to look for the easy classic solution and then we're gonna miss now we're gonna start missing the eric puzzles and it's just a cycle mm-hmm. that you've put us upon mm-hmm. that's fine mm-hmm. by me welcome to conflict my friend. that's why you have different <laughs> players who have different solutions to these kind of puzzles that's why you have julia who can think through puzzles and me and amanda who can sit there and be like oh, I, I, hello uh, uh yeah. brandon i would like to push back and say someone paid five dollars for a clue <laughs> <laughs> wasn't me though just want to say it wasn't, it wasn't julia someone did pay five or instead give your dm five dollars <laughs> I think more DMs should demand money for easier puzzles. Money for services. Right? Uh, fair, fair enough. Fair. Uh, here's a question from Colin Wade. As a hive mind, do the other individuals and or Audrey the Rotten Queen herself feel pain when one member is attacked? Well, we don't know that these people are associated with Audrey the Rotten Queen. We do not. We're not That's certain. We're, we're simply mm, supposing and putting yeah. pieces together. The hive mind people on the boat? I sniffed the air. I didn't get any necrotic kind of... Sp- Audrey the Rotten Queen smell when I did my Arcana check. My takeaway was that these people were not uh, zombie folk. Yeah. No. But, oh, well, Eric confirmed. They're not. Yeah. But I think that maybe this is just a general question about hive minds. A general yeah. question about hive yeah. minds. Yeah, yeah. And Audrey has a necrotic army of, you know, the undead, et cetera. Right. But we don't know that they're like, you know, a hive mind connected to Audrey. They're not land networked. Right, they don't have an intranet. All right, nerd Amanda. <laughs> we had a very interesting explanation from someone in Discord about uh, about uh, networking, which yeah. is great. Brandon, don't you dare talk about all the IT professionals who love join the party. It's their Patreon pledges really, uh, really driving the ship. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is true or not, but I did just Amanda, like fourteen year old Amanda, at her house with like three other, four other people doing Halo LAN parties. <laughs> Absolutely not a thing that happened. Uh, I only faxed my Neopet zine to other teens <laughs> on the internet. I did not do any local networking with IRL friends. <laughs> I've never done a LAN party. That never happened. I think I got to the point where I had like friends who wanted to play video games with me when Xbox Live was already going going down. I right. did it on like Halo 2 and like shout out to Nick Springer. Shout out to all my other friends from high school uh, who I played tons of Halo with. 
Cece and I traded with our Game Boy Color Link cables. Mm-hmm. And mm. shout out where shout out is due uh, to Lyle, Tinkerbell of Computers, uh, who did share that same Wi-Fi no router is called a mesh or peer-to-peer network. Yes. Everything on the network acts as an equal rather than the traditional hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lyle. Yeah. I know stuff. I will say, Eric, if you care about latency with your team and about po- true ponage, you got to try that LAN party, you know? Hey, Brandon, shut up about your true ponage. <laughs> You jumped through a door and landed in the water. Shut up about you. Yeah, not, not, this was so fun. It felt it felt the best kind of frustrating where I like I knew the answer was there. We were able to try things. I really felt the stakes of the, the guards noticing and of shit happening to Cami and Havana as we were not there. But I mean, Julia, how was your experience of being separated from the party? I feel like you're always watching me and Brandon get up to shenanigans and being like, guys, get good. <laughs> it's not even like guys get good. It's guys roll better, please. <laughs> Mm-hmm. A lot of the shenanigans y'all get up to is because woo, those roles were bad for the heist. They were yeah. not good. Yeah, sure. they were not. I don't know what happened to Amanda, but now Amanda has has been drugged down into my wasteland of, ba- of bad roles. I don't know. I think that's the problem when you two are together and we separate the party is yeah. Amanda starts getting infected by your bad roles. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that we didn't do that. That we're not uh, doing that checks watch two episodes later. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Listen, sometimes we realize patterns too late. <laughs> the thing about the door, though, is that, like, you didn't know what was behind the door until you opened the door. So mm. it's like, think about it. This door should have three knobs on it because there's, like, something very secret inside of it. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. Uh, so the whole time you guys were like, oh, why does this door suck so much? And I'm like, well, there's something very important inside of it. It's like, well, that's why. I think that the problem was we thought the door sucked so much because we thought it was one thing and then it ended up being another thing, you know? So you get it as a player in your head, like, oh, I know the solution to this problem. And it's that this thing is a portal to another part of the ship or something Mm -hmm. like that instead of, hey, we have to open three individual doorknobs at the same time. I mean, Eric, traditionally... People put locks on doors as opposed to more this knobs. Is, it did, this it had is a, a lock. Key. This is a lock. It's, there was a key. You, just, key you just got it immediately. <laughs> you just knocked a man out and took the key. You did that. There is a key. It's really smart, though. It's, it's like the false bottom drawer, you know, exactly. of, uh, of doors, which I, I think is really smart. And you think you get through one, uh, maybe two, and then you're like, ha-ha, and then you find yourself I'm more just saying that, like, when I come up with puzzles, I'm like, oh, obviously, I need a good puzzle because there's something on the other side of the door but you don't know what it is until you solve the puzzle yeah so you're just like why does this door suck so much i'm like well because there's a thing there's a thing there that's That's fair let's get into this payload uh so players how did we feel about the reveal of all of these plans cloaking the real money item in the middle i don't love that one of the countries now has the ability or did have the ability to make one of the keys. I mean, even from just a character perspective, Cammy's like, I'm working really hard to find all these keys and they're just going to make one. That sucks. Well, we don't know if it actually works, you know. No, but like the fact that they're trying is concerning. Mm. No, I agree completely. Yeah. Julia, you and the question surgeon, Michelle Spurgeon, were thinking right along the same lines um, because she says, what was exactly the machine that Hot House was making? And is the search of the salmon creating a Cold War kind of situation within the four nations? 
It definitely seems like that. And I expressed in the episode, both in character and out of character, I don't want to really do war crimes and or... <laughs> be the catalyst for a war that's happening potentially between the countries so yeah commander vineyard was like Shh, don't worry about it <laughs> like you're a horse like oh my fellow players were also like Shh, don't worry about it no it's <laughs> yeah, fine we're, we're, we're having fun it's fine i was like i just want to put that on tape ahead of time yeah mm-hmm. I, I i understand that julia does not want to do war crimes um you're a pirate <laughs> oh yeah, Brandon. Because pirates constantly doing war crimes. Yeah, and, they like, do, Julia. Wars. No, pirates specifically do not particularly want to be invested in the politics of their countries. That's why privateers exist. That's why you got hired to privateer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I was not happy about that as well. The fact that there is paperwork that says, "Oh yeah, we hired these three privateers, mm-hmm. including the." former prince of this country yep. to go ahead and do a potential act of war if people find out is not ideal, you know? It's not. It's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Commander right. Vineyard did say explicitly that Troy's name was on those documents. Mm-hmm. He did. He did say that. He did. I, yeah. I, I am firmly on the side that chaos among stable nations is good for pirates. Well, until they're <laughs> unstable. <laughs> yeah, that is better for pirates. Mm, debatable. Then we take over and become the new continent of stable country thing. We no longer have to pirate. Listen. Oh, yeah. That's what pirates do. They love becoming president. That's when you become the man, you know? Brandon, you know what? It's fine that Cammy and Umby have different goals in their pirate lives. That's totally fine. And Troy's just like, look at my muscles. (laughs) (laughs) I get to do a wish. (laughs) Eric, Dr. Spurgeon also wants to know, how did you come up with the mechanic of taking HP for forethought? Yes, good. And Amanda, good job for remembering that. Yeah, that's something that I've taken from Blades in the Dark, where you can make rolls and you kind of have like resource points because Blades in the Dark is all about heists. Um, So if you want something, you can say, oh, I actually had it the whole time and you can make a roll on it. HP is kind of like the resource pool for everything in Dungeons and Dragons. So I thought, give me a a slice of your HP and uh, you can and you can have it and you had it. I also think you did that in campaign two as well when we did the heist on the government building. Yeah. You had us sacrifice a certain amount of HP or like time in order to get things prepared. Yeah, for sure. And I really like it. Like as a, a player, a, a thing that really held me back early on was feeling like, oh God, like if I if I don't do the right thing in any given step of, you know, planning or, you know, before we get into initiative or even in early initiative, then I'll have like lost my chance and fucked over my party and like there's nothing else I can do. Um, I had other anxiety issues unrelated to Dungeon Dragons. But um, <laughs> I really like the idea that, you know, you could do something that's interesting for the plot that is informed by what happens later and make an informed choice to be able to, you know, trade something, some optionality for the future in order to have you know, revise the past lately. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's what made the episode before this move faster was that we skipped forward from 30 minutes of discussion and be like, let's just do it. So Mm -hmm. then it's like, that wouldn't be fair of me to want to skip forward and also not give you the opportunity to have planned. Yeah. And sometimes you don't know what you're going to need. We're not Ocean's Eleven. We don't know how the plot is going to bang out, you know? So sometimes you don't know that you're going to need a thing until you're in the middle of the heist and you can be like, hey, can I make a sacrifice in order to have been prepared for this thing that we weren't anticipating? Yeah, exactly. And you had plenty of time. 
I tried to give Eric some of my real life mana, my real life. Like, do you want a limb to be able to, to allow me to cut out? But you tried the... to Venmo me a finger. Yeah, I wanted to Venmo Eric a finger in order to be able to cut out all the flailing that we did around the door. But he would not accept it. Brandon, in real life, you could have just sent your real life resource pool is, in fact, American money. <laughs> no, I wanted you kept asking me for like you wanted like a firstborn child or like mm-hmm. you kept like you wanted. Like, yeah, but the, that's because I'm giving you the ability to play piano yeah exactly exactly <laughs> i now have a golden fiddle that eric gave me is that good <laughs> yeah exactly hey hey my, my dm asked me asked me for my firstborn child in exchange for running a DD campaign is this a fair <laughs> trade yeah well getting into episode 26 uh shout out to blue specter who came up with some drew's fan art essentially immediately after the uh so episode good. dropped absolutely incredible eric would you tell us about this uh this sweet friend my favorite my favorite and boy. Then, uh, stop calling these really fucked up characters sweet friends <laughs> you need to stop he's a sweet friend he's a perfect boy i love him just stealing part of our life force and our souls and our future that's fine yeah sweet friend mm-hmm. in my head um i went kind of like outfit out i wanted it to really feel like a like a real like is this in a real kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean way? Is this pirate a ghost? <laughs> like, is this sailor also dead? Mm-hmm. And I kind of went out like from sweater outwards. Also, like I did a lot of research into like the types of cable knitting of different sweaters and what they mean. Oh, they have meanings. Oh, that's yes, oh yeah, like yeah. Shetland Islands versus other oh, places. Oh, I yeah. know that. That's cool. The, the iconography in the different stuff is like you know it's like oh you want God's protection, I want life, I want money, I want stuff like that. So I was kind of thinking about that from there and the type of patterning so i kind of went outwards from there also like you guys were kept asking me if you could get stuff and yeah, i'm like that. and i said no which really means shut up let me think for five seconds <laughs> um so i i knew i wanted to put that in there for you and also be able to like trade in uh have different places to trade in amber as well as other stuff sure sure as much as I love having my amber for when we d- return back to the hold, I do enjoy having a merchant that I can also exchange amber for. Though I was like so reticent to like give Drew's amber. I did not like his vibe. I did not want to give him anything that he no. possibly would want. So, yeah. I realize I, wh- wh- who I was imagining, what I was imagining just now with Drew's. I was imagining a sailor version of the spider person from Cult of the Lamb. You know what I'm talking about? The guy that sells you um, villagers? Yeah. That thing, that guy in a, like, yeah, a cable knit sweater and, like, a with a pipe or something, you know? Okay. I, I do want to say it was pretty funny of me to make a fruit fly, so. <laughs> That's yeah. very funny. I, I like just, it a lot. I just didn't know if anyone thought that. I just it was know. hilarious. Hey, I bud. Really funny. Very <laughs> fun. Very smart. I love it. Also- yeah, the reason why I didn't do a spider is because I did for fruit fly because I Mm-hmm. It's also really funny when I sent you my spouse five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you? Uh, I also just kind of said for fun that like, hey, Amanda, spend give you five dollars, and then I decided to backfill. The reason why was because you got something for free from Drews, uh, which I thought was which I thought just thought was a funny thing to do. Yes, I wasn't sure if that was a backfill thing or something that you had planned, which I think is really interesting. And then I specifically remember you telling Brandon right before we did the edit for that episode being like can you add like a little like magic like 
transaction noise <laughs> to Amanda sending me this money, and I really thought that was a smart way to handle that. Yeah, give me a put some magic shimmer on that, please. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And he did, Brandon. He did a great yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Sound design is text in Join the Party. There's there's a lot of information that you can get from uh, how Brandon treats the different uh, voices and interactions. Um, True facts. On tape. Uh, the other thing that I thought was very funny was that the three of you decided to discuss your plan in front of the person selling you stuff, which is why I immediately raised the price when you changed your plan. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> It's fair and also it was so rude. funny. <laughs> yeah, that's our, that's on us. That's our bad. It, oh, it was three amber. No, in fact, it was, it's four amber. Um, so, uh, you're uh, I'm sorry, you can't. It's like, oh, I have this other thing, but unfortunately, you can't spend money on it. Sorry, son of a bitch. Sorry, so, it was so funny. Don't hey folks, this is just a, a question for any of you. If you're in a in a market where there's haggling, don't tell people what you're gonna do in <laughs> front of them. Yeah. Good tip. Yeah. Fun, this is a fun fact from me, from me to you. <laughs> Quietly discuss it away from the booth and then return and be like, here's here's time to haggle, baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you definitely could have haggled. He was just there, but you just decided to be like, okay, we're changing from the ice plan to this other thing. What do you think about that, merchant? And they're like, ah, how much money do you have? It's that much. Mm. <laughs> it's we that did much. try to haggle. It, it just wasn't. It was pretty stubborn price, you know. He wanted. He, he knew it was a thing wanted. we needed. Yeah, yeah, because you discussed your yeah, you discussed the plan in front of the guy, and he was like, oh, well, it sounds like you want this thing. So sounds like you need this badly. So my price just went up. Yeah, I, I do really like the ice plan, and I you know I, I regret that we couldn't do it. Uh, but what we ended up with definitely got us there in one piece, which I appreciate. We mm. did do it with um, Havana. He he was in an ice bath. Yes. I was <laughs> yeah. giving everyone iced tea. It was Important. a thing. It was funny. The library chick says, so Baba Rutabaga said that the glasses weren't hers, but did she make them for someone else? And is that why she could use the glasses the way she did to talk to Cammy? Julia, what do you think? I don't know. I was very surprised that Baba Rutabaga was able to contact Cammy through the glasses. It was a moment where I rolled that nat 20 during the soldier's tea leaf reading and I was like oh shit here comes some Baba Rutabaga stuff and then the fact that it was using the glasses which Eric admonished me I can't remember if it was on or off Mike being like you haven't used it to read a book since like you you simply haven't done that yet and I was like oh yeah mm. I haven't that's a good point that's a yeah. good point uh, no, I had in my head that Baba Rutabaga uh, wanted to talk to you through a book the whole time. Okay. Uh, it must have been so and frustrating it just, to it just, be like, you just didn't do it. And why I was is like, Umbi doing it? <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, yeah, there you go. Uh, in my head, she did not talk to you through the glasses. Baba Rutabaga put a book in front of you that she was ready to talk to you through. It was through the book. And mm -hmm. then she um, controlled Donnie and put, put the glasses on your face. I don't love that she can control Nani. I'm just going to say that out loud. Also, was it a particular book or was it any book if Kami had used the glasses to read them? Okay. <laughs> mm. Okay. Good to know. You were falling. If I remember, you were falling through the air. You were falling through the book and then there was a ledge. So yes. I think it was through any book. Okay, good like to it know. Was, it was like there was a door that you could have grabbed onto, if I remember correctly. So that's like Baba Rutabaga inserted herself into this thing. Gotcha. Good to know. Yeah. On the Reading Rainbow Superhighway of information. Yeah. <laughs> Baba Rutabaga said, take a look. It's in a book. Mm -hmm. Reading Rainbow. Yeah. 
All right, folks, well, we have plenty to talk about regarding the Divine Labyrinth and all kinds of great game and character questions that we've received. But first, let me pop into the kitchen for a quick refill of our little snack platter here. There's puffed rice. <gasps> Hey, it's Amanda. I hope everybody out there is having a very happy Halloween, if that is something you celebrate. I know that I am spending this weirdly warm day in New York City, enjoying all of the beautiful sights and pumpkins and gourds. I just, I love a time of year where uh, where gourds are really celebrated. So this is really my time. Welcome to the mid-roll. Welcome especially to our newest patrons, Grace, Gavin, and Shane. We can only make this show because of the support of patrons like you. And I hope you are enjoying everything that the Patreon has to offer from ad-free episodes to access to the Discord, including our brand new Conversation Pit channel, by the way, and party planning. There's more than 50 episodes of party planning for you to catch up on. Five zero. That's a lot. If you want to have your name read here in the mid-roll and... Enjoy all that stuff. Come on over at patreon.com slash join the party pod. This week at Multitude, I know we're all looking at the sort of creepy stuff around the world right now on Halloween, but have you ever wondered what life would be like on a planet different from our own? Do you see like a kid dressed as an alien? You're like, hey, what would an alien be like? Why are all those aliens humanoid? Why can't they be like, I don't know, a bug or a cloud of gas? Dr. Moya McTeer has thought about it. So go on over to ExoLore in your podcast app or exolorepod.com to listen to Dr. McTeer as she explores fictional worlds by building them with a panel of expert guests, interviewing professional world builders, and reviewing the merits of worlds that have already been built. I promise you are going to learn and laugh and gain an appreciation for how special this planet really is. We are sponsored this week by BetterHelp. And I know that I always have times where I'm like, you know, it'd be really good for you, Amanda. It'd be really good if you had like balanced meal, went to yoga, spent some time in the sun, called your grandma, read a book, didn't touch your phone, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I can't always make myself do the things that I know are good for me. I really wish I could, <laughs> then things would be a lot easier. But something that that's like a, a data point for me, something telling me that there's something, you know, making me tired or not otherwise sort of in line and in stasis and symbiosis the way that I want to be. So I talk about that kind of thing in therapy. And it really, really helps me. I have feel like I finally found a therapist that I get along well with who understands me. And it's making a big difference in my life. And I really feel strongly about talking openly about therapy as a thing that a lot more people could benefit from than currently access it. And I really want to encourage you that if the idea of starting therapy is overwhelming or inconvenient where you live right now, that you consider using a tool like BetterHelp. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. Best of all, you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I did this lots of times when I used BetterHelp, and it is definitely a good feature that helps you start to figure out how you're going to get along with someone and what you're looking for in a therapist. So make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash join the party today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash join the party. We are also sponsored this week by Ravensburger Cree 
art. This is a very cool paint-by-number experience from Ravensburger. Now, I was recently visiting my grandma, and she had several of her Cree art art hung up on the wall. She did them, and she was so excited that she hung it up over her fireplace. And if you are looking for a hobby to soothe yourself, maybe to do with kids, maybe to do with a relative, to take on vacation, to just have something to, I don't know, keep your hands busy while listening to a great podcast, consider Cree Art by Ravensburger. Whether you are a seasoned artist seeking a new challenge or someone like me who is a beginner and trying to explore painting, because like, hey, that was really fun when I was a kid and I don't ever get to paint as an adult. So like, let me try it now. It's a great way to do it. So you can shop Cree Art by Ravensburger in your local game and hobby store, your craft store, or on Amazon today. That's Cree Art, C-R-E-A-R-T by Ravensburger. And finally, we are sponsored once more by our friends at Bodoni's Designs. This is the ultimate place for TTRPG enthusiasts looking for unique and high quality gear inspired by the game. I have a plus one to AC sweatshirt and I love it dearly. It is blue. It is fuzzy. It is very comfortable. I love that I get to wear it around and it's not like, you know, a t-shirt with the like Wizards of the Coast logo on it. It's not, you know, a dice pun, which, you know, no shame. You guys might enjoy that. But I love the like subtle pastel sort of girly version of that's girly with an IE like for for like trendy girlies. Um, I feel like a trendy girly when I wear the clothes by Bodoni Designs. I'm not going to lie to you. They have t-shirts, they have tanks, they have hats, they have sweatshirts, all kinds of incredible stuff. You got to go check them out at Bodoni Designs. That's B-O-D-O-N-I designs.etsy.com. Whether you're looking for something to wear out and about, a gift maybe, a gift season is coming up for someone who loves TTRPGs in your life or you're not a cosplayer, but you do want to kind of wear something cool for like your next convention or gaming session, go for it. Check them out and use the code JOINTHEPARTY for 10% off your purchase, active now through November 24th. So get those orders in under the deadline before November 24th. That's jointheparty at bodonidesigns.etsy.com. And now let's get back to the show. All right, folks, we are back, and I've got some uh, garlic-free eggplant dip uh, for all the Amanda's Ooh. out there. Wow. Enjoy, enjoy. I want to admit something from the previ- in the previous episode. Um, I had a whole thing planned. I had written out all these fun country aphorisms oh, yeah. for Papa Rutabaga to say to Cammie while it was happening, and I was so in the moment that I forgot to do it. So then the next episode, I said, ah, piss. I have all of these country aphorisms. Brandon, will you put them in for me? And then you did. But uh, hey, folks, just do the fun thing that you had you had set up. And I'll admit that I, I got so stuck into it that I forgot to do it. You're just um, so into the role play. That's fine. I love that. But in the moment, we weren't like, oh, weird, really letting us down in this moment. Like, you just happened to have prepared a thing that you l- forgot you had. Yeah. I know. But it's like I really worked hard on them, and then I was annoyed at myself. Like, you'll stick out like a hibiscus horse in an Earl Greyhound race. Really I was like, come on, Eric. Come on. <laughs> Use it. That's fair, man. Thank you for letting me put that in. I'm glad that it made it into the final episode, personally. Yeah. yeah. So let's turn our attention to episode 27, the first episode of the Divine Labyrinth arc. What a good name. We land there. We suss it out. We get separated and start the maze. There's also the reveal before any of that even happens of the big rhyme. Oh, my God. This was a like 
chilling, incredible role-playing game moment for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout out to one, gave me chills. I think we all gasped as you revealed the entirety of the mm-hmm. rhyme. Really excited. Also, shout out to me being like, all right, let's do some critical reading in our poetry <laughs> corner. <laughs> yep. And Brandon noticing the capital T and they. Mm-hmm. Very good. And listening back to the episode, the line, you're a long way from home and it's ever been drier. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have goosebumps right now. It's very so good. good. It's very good. Yeah gotta move the plot forward folks i don't know i don't know what to say i'm just like yes it's the thing i wanted this to happen having it on the wall having it on the wall was important but no i mean it's just you know it's plot here's a plot i give you plot (laughs) uh julia brandon anything that surprised you about this because uh, unlike a lot of the arcs we've done so far we kind of know exactly what we're sailing into like we we're not going to a thing called the book depository and then being like like the divine labyrinth is a divinely charged labyrinth and in the middle of it is something we want we think like anything that surprised or delighted you or scared you about this first episode yeah, I think in general, because of Cammy's nature and the conversation with Baba Rutabaga, I and Cammy both had a lot of trepidation in arriving at the Divine Labyrinth. And so I think in general, I was approaching the way that I was playing this with a lot of hesitancy because I don't know how my spells are going to be affected in this place when like clearly I am not of a divine origin and I don't know like if Cammy in particular might be targeted because of that or anything of that sort and now being separated from the group it's a really interesting and kind of nerve-wracking experience but also gives me a lot of opportunities for exploring Cammy's character in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that surprised me was, I st- and I still don't think I fully understand it, um, if there's anything extra to understand. But yeah, the um, the mechanic of transporting to the top of the tower. Oh my God, yes, let's start there. Okay, we got a ton of questions. And this, this was a, a like a cinematic moment for me as well. So Save Man says, Eric, how much anticipation did you have for us to activate that transport spell? Also, what was the mechanic for it? I'm going to tell you right now, I don't I don't drop this reference very often. This is akin to the uh, port key in the fourth book mm. of the series that shall not be named. Like that, mm-hmm. that same moment where I read that book, I remember very well being a child, reading it and going like, no fucking way. <laughs> uh, I felt the same. Incredibly fun, incredibly interesting. Eric, where the heck did you get this idea from? Um, I thought it was neat if this (laughs) happened. Before we got there, I wrote down in my notes, is the front blocked up? Is there a tower in the middle where you can make eye contact with a statue you transport there? If you look around, is there another entrance that's only there for the labyrinth, but all the green tricks your eye? I just like kind of write these notes to myself, and then I see where it goes, and if you guys end up exploring it, and then like what ends up touching. You know, whatever ends up happening is just what becomes canon. So, uh, yeah, I don't, it's just like, well, what happened was, is that Troy did it, and then so Amanda rolled so well that Troy came back, and then immediately Julia's like, I want to do that, and then did it, and then did not roll well. So, it was just like, yeah, <laughs> like, you're right, like, you're right, that's, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. So, was it just literally pointing at it that activated the spell? Yeah, because you would. I didn't have like a statue up there, but I needed. If you gestured at it, mm-hmm. literally physically gestured at it, you got transported there one way. Unless you saved. Mm-hmm. 
Here's a question from the audience that I don't remember, honestly, if I considered, but Mixel91 says, why didn't Umby and Troy just point at the tower again and reunite with Cammy? Because we didn't know the mechanics of it, you know? And we also didn't know if there was a way to get down or, you know, we didn't know. We didn't know. Yeah, and I think the idea was, I don't know if this is true or not. In my head, I don't know if it was made into tape or not, but part of the idea was like, maybe Cammy can help us from the tower yeah. navigate the maze better. Yeah, I think we said that on, on Mike too, where like I was going to be the eye in the sky, the uh, the man in the chair kind of situation. Right. Yeah. yeah, literally a bird's eye view of the maze should help us significantly in getting through the maze was, I, I think, turning that splitting of the party into a unintentional advantage was at least my hope. And it could have been a trap too. Yeah, I don't know. Certainly could have been a trap. And communication was difficult. Like Tattooed and Tall said, Julia, did you ever consider trying to paper airplane a map to the rest of the party? <laughs> and Eric, what would have been the DC on a kind of move like that? A hundred? Yeah, it would have been pretty fucking high, it's I far. imagine. Yeah. And also, like, I worst case scenario, I had sending. I could send you guys another <laughs> message to, like, give you information. You did. You did do that. Well, I know, but again, I could have done that. <laughs> oh, oh, what? Love you. Do you oh, want to talk oh. about that moment? Only, of course. Yeah. I mean, you could try. <laughs> Certainly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was funny. Thank you, Brandon, for following through on the bit and, mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. splicing in that previous mm-hmm. example. Got uh-huh. it. You got it. Uh, but I think that, yeah, like I, even when I rolled fairly well on creating a map for Cami. It was only for the area directly around the grove. So I don't think that would have been helpful for me to send to y'all anyway. Mm-hmm. We didn't know at the time, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The The answer to these questions of why didn't they do it is because they didn't, honestly. Like, that's always the answer to these questions. Every choice is available to you at all times. And you, so most of the times I have mechanics for it to see, to make sure that you can do what you, what you want to do. Oh, you had paper airplane mechanics? You could have done it if you wanted to. I would have figured it out. You can do whatever <laughs> you want. I want to know, for the three of you, what draws all of you so much to splitting the party? It happens a lot, in, especially in this campaign. I think it happens a lot. And I don't know if it's like making plans or making rambunctious plans is very piratey. So I wonder, especially as it's Cammy wanders off and then Troy and Umbi blows things up and do some wild shit on their own. So what draws you to doing that so much in this campaign? You know what? For me, it's you're creating such beautiful and large set pieces for us to play with that I Mm. want to see all of it. And by splitting the party, I get to see it not only through the other players' eyes, but my own eyes and my character's eyes. Yeah. I also think about, yeah, we got really fucked in the bullseye arc by splitting the party, but you even said, you're like, yeah, there were a lot of threads you could have pulled on, but you only pulled on them like 60% of the way. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, now I need to pull on all of the threads 100%. So we could only achieve that by everyone doing like their own individual things. And in the bullseye arc, you only got fucked because your friend fell down a tower when you didn't want, when you didn't want that to happen. So you lost a lot of time. Yes. I think it's more for me. It's like the the classic D and D advice of don't split the party is mostly for fights. It's like if you get into a, a fight and you split your party, you've lost you know your healer, you've lost your range, or you've lost your um, tank. So like you're gonna be way less likely to beat that fight. But I think for D and D, otherwise, like the reality is that we can still talk to each other unless you tell us not to. Um, and we're here, so we sort of get the best of both worlds if you split it up, or like we learn some knowledge about this other thing, 
while also being able to communicate that knowledge even if our characters aren't like i think it it does it's just more fruitful and helpful in life and in D&D to split the party so you can learn more things more quickly unless you're playing very very classic D&D where it's like if you split the party you will die you know that's the main thing for me as well is it feels like a way to gather more data to solve the puzzles because the challenges you put in front of us are more interesting and complex and have more solutions than a more maybe traditional style where the three of us are like brute forcing every perception or investigation or history check. Like it's yeah. fairly rare that all three of us roll the same check. And typically, you know, the person who rolls the highest will get the information and share it or not with the rest of us. We're not like, you know, trying to triple our odds of success at any given check or encounter because that's kind of boring and just not the style we play. Yeah. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I sort of, I have faith that, of course, there's going to be times where you might want to, you know, throw something extra hard at us, but I sort of have faith that you find it more interesting to, yeah, throw us challenges that are better served by exploring different angles, you know, because they're more fun to listen to. I, you don't have to do anything for me. I do what you guys do. Like, I think that, that, and, and I, I like think that that's fine. And yeah. I think that's fine in, if you think you're doing something for me and I think that I do something for you, that's how good relationships work. But it's like, in cause and effect, there needs to start with a cause. So it's like, don't be afraid to do the cause yourself. I'm but... not doing it because I think you want me to. I'm doing Correct. it because like it's it's interesting. I like the scenes. I like the characters. I like the variety. I like pulling in multiple threads, like Julia said. It is it informs each other, like you're saying. Like your you know the style of game you prepare is also because you're like these these fucks are likely to, to, to split into two. So like I need I need two tracks here. Probably. I'll do I do whatever yeah. you do. Like that's I do end up planning planning this this game like really one session at a time. Also, if all of you went to the middle of the labyrinth, I think you would have had a fucking problem. I think it would have been bad. You would have literally thrown yourself into the middle of this thing. And no, I guess it would have been different, though. It's interesting. Well, we actually had a question from Fred Awesome, um, who said specifically, you know, similarly, why didn't you all just kind of join up at the observatory, um, but instead split the party and split the points? I actually think we were kind of min-maxing this. Like, we were, we were each able to have points accruing instead of the whole group only going one turn at a time like we had two point accrual games going simultaneously yeah and you know would it be better if julia did, did roles instead of havana yes uh but <laughs> i i think that actually ended up giving us more choices mm. yeah i didn't think about that before but that is assuming we can share information at some point that is definitely true yeah yeah, which is to say, like, the first time I heard what Julia was doing uh, in this episode was listening to the episode just before it came out, like the rest mm -hmm. of you. Uh, so yeah. it was it was really interesting. It was really fun. And we have some uh, questions here about kind of that process, starting with Question Broth with Malignant Sloth, who said, I am obsessed with the mechanics of the Divine Labyrinth Maze, especially the roles. I'm loving the influence of the campaign on your DMing style. So, Eric, Thanks. I'd love for you to say more on bringing the concept of a mixed success into D&D especially how it's different from a DM's perspective. And players, are you loving it as much as I am? Because it's something I want to take into my future campaigns. Immediately, yes. 100%. <laughs> yeah, really like it. It's more fun than pass-fail, for sure. Yes. 100%. Just like class. In the future, if some DM like slapped me down by being like, oh yeah, you slip a bad peel and you fall on your butt, I'd be like, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think that Dungeons & Dragons is a bad job of expressing this in the first place. Like The whole point of doing having a D20 system is you get more numbers, like inherently it's more numbers than rolling 2d6 right like you're yeah. going from 2 2 to 12 as opposed to 1 to 1 to 20 and it's spread out in that way so it's like if you have a dc you know i think that good people running dozens of dragons always will have that like 
I think there is a pass fail, but it's like there needs to be successes. It's like if I have a DC of 12 and you had 12, the 12 is always going to be different than the 20. I mean, that's why people celebrate when you get a nat 20, right? Because you roll the highest literal possible thing. There's a gradation built in. It's not just pass fail with a DC, but also a crit 1 and a crit 20 are different from other rolls. Well, it's like theoretically, let's say you rolled 2 and you had a negative 2 to a stat, you can literally get a 0. Mm-hmm. But and then that can go all the way to imagine having like a plus five to something and you roll a 19. That's 24. So it's like there's this number degradation from zero to 24. And then at the bottom is the nat one and at the top is the nat 20. Right. And like you should use that degradation and then draw a line in the sand of what is success. Mm-hmm. What I got from this move, which I use as an extension of the campaign and this idea of moves from Power of the Apocalypse game, it's like you're in a mini game in a video game, right? I would not use this idea of mixed successes in Dungeons and Dragons unless you're doing something very specific. Like you're doing a role, a mini game role that only makes sense for this particular thing you're doing. Good comparison to this is that is the murder mystery from Dimension 20 that they ran when they were doing the investigation checks mm-hmm. and trying to get information. Then there was like if you roll really if you roll a 15, you get bronze Information, if you roll a 20, you get silver, and if you roll higher than that, you get gold in terms of the types of information. Like, don't rip apart the game system you're doing unless you're trying to ensconce it within a little pod, I think is my answer. Like, if you want to play, this is also like play any game other than Dungeons & Dragons stuff. (laughs) It's like, if you want to play a game that has mixed successes and everything, play that type of game. But you can also jump into this small thing, which is, I only do this for the labyrinth move. Like, I'm putting moves into D&D, and it's this little pod that we're kind of jumping into. I think it's also really useful to have, in a way, set things that happen for each bracket of success. Yeah. You know? Like, I really liked the idea of, like, oh, you roll this, and you get a point, and you meet a denizen of the maze, whether that's a positive or a negative thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it is, like, really interesting and smart and, like, as a player, I know at least somewhat what to expect when I roll within that bracket. A little uh, sub-question here from Colin Wade. I love the variety of situations you subject Amanda, Brandon, and Julia to in this <laughs> campaign. I want to include more variety for my players as well. So Eric, do you have a process to come up with the mechanics used in each event or location? And I would add to that, how do you decide when when's the right time to like plop a mini game into our main storyline? When you do things that D&D can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, a heist or navigating a labyrinth. If mm-hmm. there's something that would that literally you cannot figure out a way to do it with checks and contests and saving throws, then you got to make something else. I think that that's ultimate that's ultimately what it comes what it comes down to. Like I pulled this from the thing because we did something similar to this in the campaign when we did the bouncy house and we, when we did the woods, right? Mm-hmm. How else am I going to get you guys to feel like you're going through a maze other than this? And I yep. did a different variation of it, this points system instead of like the successes thing that you did before, trying to steal things back from uh, the the puzzle cleric, etc. <laughs> or just like you got to keep going until you're at the end. I want to do this point system because... It's like you are in the maze, but you're also doing stuff inside the maze. And then eventually you will need to get out of the maze, but it will be difficult because, you know, you need to spend five points to get to the grove and to find the exit. Like that's what happens when you go in a maze. Like you don't just find the exit. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
let's zoom into Cammy's experience um, in this episode. Uh, here's from Fred Awesome. Um, just a comment, but I like how the NPCs keep telling Cammy to do or not do things that she has no immediate control over. Uh, for example, she didn't take the curse from Baba Rutabaga. Also, she can't just teleport out of the maze. Julia, your reactions to these are great. I could potentially just teleport out of the maze. I'm not going to do that, but, you know. <laughs> could you? Um, could you? I mean, I have a spell, and if the maze doesn't fuck with that spell, I could potentially just teleport out of the maze. I guess the maze is going to fuck with that spell. Big, big, the maze if, might have big some if, Julia. Big if. Big I don't if. know. I simply don't know. It's a yeah. big if. But yeah, I think that Cammy is frustrated in the best Cammy sense, where it's like someone is asking her to do something, and they're like, uh, I mean, I'll try, but I can't really control that. So, later, I, deuces. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was, yeah, it was kind of like around this whole thing of like, why haven't you done the thing I want you to do now? Like, do it, do it right now. And I, Has it's, no I one told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Brandon, Amanda, how did you feel hearing the stuff that Cammy did for the first time? I was really surprised and impressed that she just saw the harvester. Um, I didn't know who that guy was, didn't know anything about him. Like, my God, that guy is scary. And uh, I had a lot of questions that may or may not get addressed in future episodes of this arc. (laughs) Who could say? Uh, I was going to ask you, Eric, if if I could just step out of the room for all episodes and then because when I edit them, I get so excited that it's like doesn't feel like I'm editing because I'm learning along the way. So mm-hmm. if I could just um, be kicked out of the room for all the episode and all of so them. You're saying you don't want to be a player. <laughs> yeah, Brandon's like, I would like to stop playing and only edit Brandon, if you want me to go get another player, I will go get another player. I can just, We can do well, that. I want to both play, but then maybe like if you hit me on the head real hard so I forget what mm-hmm. happens. You, know? you already have Memento's disease. Yeah, I know, yeah. but it's not bad enough. So maybe you could okay. work, make it worse. You know? Okay. So yeah. we'll just we'll recruit more crows to come and like peck you. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. This stuff is really funny. Uh, just yeah, I wanted you to see the harvester immediately. I thought it was funny how like immediately they were like, "All right, we're gonna go to the labyrinth." Uh oh, there's a bridge. Oh, whoa! And then you're like. There's a guy with a scy- with a scythe walking behind you. I tried you. to warn you. I told you that you there did. was a bad guy in there. Yeah. We yeah. we had a full Scooby-Doo as a hijink adventure uh, with my friendship arrow as you were like <laughs> running face funny. to face with a serious enemy. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. You said bad guy, but that really did not get across one how close and two how nasty the harvester is. I don't know what else we would have done. I I enjoyed our twenty five words. I think Julian and I did a great job. No, I think it worked. I I could be wrong, but I think we yeah like you know it doesn't matter necessarily in mechanics, but it was like turn left, not right, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing because the yeah. harvester. That was good to me. You guys were like neat, and then you walked into the labyrinth. Like mm-hmm. you didn't like keep your uh, head on a swivel. Havana was not like looking out for bad people at all times. You're like, nice. Boop, boop, see you, see you soon. Boop, 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 boop. Hope we meet up at the, it's like you guys were like, oh yeah, we're at the Natural History Museum. Meet back here in two hours. So like that's the, the vibe. diorama. Yeah. yeah, it's like meet <laughs> back at the T-Rex. I'm like, all right, have fun. Okay. Fair. Well, here's a question about our new best friend, the Harvester. Um, Milky Cross 95 wants to know, why just a pumpkin seed instead of the whole pumpkin for the head of the Harvester? Who can say, I feel like. Really? The pump- pumpkin head is, is overdone. You ever Normal. seen a pumpkin seed head? What is this, David S. Pumpkins? No. Yeah. That's not scary. 
<laughs> would be so tame those pumpkins would be so much funnier if he had a pumpkin head. Right? <laughs> that would be so crazy. You don't even know it's Tom it's uh Tom Hanks. It's just it's just pumpkin head. Um, That's right. Anything you want to say about this, Eric? Yeah, I agree with Brandon. Pumpkin head played out. Yeah. So I did pumpkin seed, but um Pumpkin seed butt? I don't even know about the butt of the harvester. No, not pumpkin seed butt. Um, <laughs> made of roots. Yeah, you guys didn't roll any investigation, so you didn't see the pumpkin seed, the, the harvester's butt. It's true. Damn, that's on me. That's a Dungeons and Daddies <laughs> investigation roll. I really wanted the harvester to be all the parts of plants that are not the parts people like, like the roots and the weird guts and the like everything that's not the flesh of a fruit and the and the flowers we enjoy. Mm. So pumpkin seed head. Makes sense. That's really good. No. I also I'm also particularly creeped out by a spindly villain. So I mm-hmm. uh it was a good image. Someone asked me if I synced up the labyrinth arc to Halloween and they were like, and then you <laughs> did a scythe wielding creepy guy. I'm like Nah, Child, I <laughs> will make this guy. Re- it could be February. <laughs> this is the enemy that we're going to be doing. I'll do what I want. Cat Owl Dolls asks, is there something about Cammy we don't know? Or was that statue just a dick in the garden? That I don't know. I think the statue's just a dick. I don't know. Who can say? Who can yeah. say? <laughs> Who can say? Who can say? Yeah. Was there something in this episode I forget? Was there something that that happened to Troy and Umby that Cammy didn't see? Only the ending where they see out of the corner of their eye the harvester. Oh yeah, you didn't see it. You didn't know any of that. Mm-mm. No, no. Mm-hmm. Did not know. Didn't know his name. No. Didn't know any of it. It's really hard to try to set up the next episode and being like, okay, so the thing. Yeah, let's do that. Let's continue that thing that happened in the last thing to try to be as ambiguous <laughs> as possible. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm finishing editing there, or I'm working on the next episode, and the first thing you say to Julia is, "Hey, Julia, get the fuck out." <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, that's true. Yeah. You kicked me the fuck out. Eb Fella actually asked, "How long did it take for you to figure out the maze mechanics?" I think they may have meant you, Eric, to plan it, but it also took us players. Like we had to like get into a groove, and this actually this episode was almost like shorter than we typically release episodes because we played for a regular amount of time. But between the like the leaving and the coming in, like the figuring out the rules and the kind of like comparing notes as players, at least when Brandon and I were in the room, um, compared to when Julia was, like it it felt like three times more time had passed than the actual episode ended up being, mm-hmm. and. In the episode, it was you know you made it seamless, Brandon. So I, I was like, oh yeah, I like I forgot I wasn't there for that. Like this sounds really new. Mm. It was yeah. uh, it was there were a lot of moving parts that I, I give you credit, Eric, for balancing. Yeah, I, I feel like I end up doing more with Cammy, but just because Julia is the only one doing the roles, like it's you two and an NPC. So it's like there's a lot more negotiation <laughs> happening <laughs> yeah. when it's the when it's you two doing it. So it's like you do less, but there's like a lot more going on. Yeah, I'm also like very aware of my time too, where I'm like, Eric, is it okay if I do one more action? Yeah, I think exactly. that was kind of I. I felt like I had to keep, not that I had to keep, but like in order to make it feel balanced, I was like, all right, can I get one more action just for the sake of time and and stuff like that? I mean, you got to watch them do stuff. I think that's also part of the reason why it seemed like the players did not all go to the observation tower, where it's Mm -hmm. like Cammy got to watch them do stuff. And now I think you kind of jumped immediately into, I have a strategy with these points, which I thought was interesting, which is also Mm -hmm. why y'all kept the split. Yeah. I also had a strategy with the points because, as was revealed in this episode, I knew what those blanks were that Amanda and Brandon did. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I forgot about that. Shit. 
Well, that's what happens when you can see stuff from uh, from a mile up, and you see, yeah. and you kind of get tower. a good sense of everything. And you're rolling that mm-hmm. twenty. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, let's get into some bigger questions about Vertistello and this campaign's world. Starting with an important one from Colin Wade: Do the Kragish soldiers deployed at the outpost use the boiling reef as a hot tub? Gosh, I hope so. Gosh, I hope so. I hope there's a little like eddy right outside their sort of break room that they can dip their uh, dip themselves in. Is it hot enough for them, though, or is that just, like, tepid, you know? I think it's hot. I think it's hotter than body temperature, which makes it hot. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, are they, I can't tell if they're, like, used to it or if it doesn't, if it doesn't feel that hot to them there, you know what I mean? Maybe they have to sort of get used to the temperature and so it's part of the, like, onboarding process to work at the, to work there or people prove that they're really hardcore, like, ah, I could be in here for hours, Mm -hmm, man, mm -hmm, like, after mm -hmm. they get used to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that feels right. Less hot tub, more dare. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. like it. Uh, Zachary Roca says, is Eric willing to establish the lore for how citizens of Vertistello partake in safe, legal, medicinal treatment or recreational fun? I mean, if he made the phonetic alphabet, surely he's thought about that, right? I don't understand how, how... A phonetic alphabet and weed are connected. <laughs> details, details. Because it's all about the details, baby. You know? The thing that I've tried to get across during this whole thing is like, People are living regular lives in the four countries right now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, they're fucking, yeah, they're doing whatever they're doing. They're playing, they're like, I don't know, playing musical chairs in open fields right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's just what they're doing. They're playing basketball with a potato. Uh, like How would it get bouncy? It's a bouncy potato. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It's an inflated potato. <laughs> it's a rubber potato. It's a rubber potato. So it's like, that all that stuff is happening like you know in any fantasy world everyone's living their lives around the stuff that's happening which is why people are pirates in the first place right like the thing that i've been trying to get across this whole time is that people become pirates for various reasons they can tell everyone they want to save vertistello and find the salmon and turn the cascade back on. But they also are like fucking just being pirates. It's been 50 years. If this was a fantasy story, the cascade would have been turned back on after two. So it's like, you know, people are doing pirate stuff for their own reasons because their lives in their various countries are boring. So they're just like, they're doing regular stuff. Mm-hmm. 100%. And is one of those regular things drugs? Enjoying the devil's lettuce. It's drugs, but you have to look at the face of <laughs> of the pot leaf before you grind it up. Yeah, Cammy has definitely made a bunch of magic mushroom tea. <laughs> oh, I'm sure nice. that is not going to be good when you are high and then you look at your re- remaining weed and it has yeah. a face. It's not. Yeah, there's be like good. an it's eye. Not ideal. Uh, instead of seeds and stems, there's an eye. In it. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend uh, being from open fields and getting advantage on those wisdom saves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not a goldfish wants to know, are there underwater algae people? Who can say? Good question. Who can mm. say? I'm not sure. Uh, and also, they have plastic. Didn't they think about the infinite lake when they invented plastic? They obviously didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, they did not. They have some of those, like, you know those that bacteria that can eat plastic? It's like they have those little guys. There's little oh. guys that like to eat plastic. Yeah. I don't know. We did do an entire allegory for California's water drought. I think <laughs> they don't. I think they just have plastic. That's fair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of the Infinite Lake, Katie Hammond says, I was re-listening to the campaign and caught the reference to a salmon of knowledge. Was that one of the inspirations for the current wish-granting one in Vertistello, or just an Easter egg? Or does Eric just like salmon? <laughs> I think Eric also just, regardless of the answer, Eric does like salmon. I do like salmon. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the salmon of knowledge is fucking hilarious. 
Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> it's probably my one of my favorite mythological creatures. Definitely top three. Yeah. Um. So I just I always like putting the salmon of knowledge is very funny. Can you remind me what do you the salmon of knowledge is just vibing right? Like he's just there. Just he's there. just like in a pond somewhere, and if you eat him, you get all the knowledge in the world. Yeah, I love that. That's fucking awesome. I love that. Mm-hmm. Like you see, mm-hmm. you don't have to do anything. In like cursed. It yeah. wasn't cursed. Yeah, it wasn't like t- like Apollo didn't pee in the in the pool, and nah. now the salmon is smart. Nah. It just is. I fucking love yeah. that. You just have to find him. That's like the journey. Yeah, you know. It's so funny to me because uh, here in Seattle, there's a fish ladder, a salmon ladder for salmon to go from below to the high tide, and we went there and I was watching one try to get up there, try to get the ladder, and it just kept going like. Flew full over the air and then falling back down. Flew over the air and then falling back down. And I'm like, these salmon have no knowledge. They are not smart. Yeah. <laughs> it's because they didn't eat the hazelnuts from the tree and then fall into the well of knowledge. Ah, yeah, exactly. basic ass salmon. Basic yeah. ass salmon hasn't fallen to the well of knowledge or wisdom. I can't remember. We we went there with you in Seattle. And it was funny seeing the salmon ladder both as like a date spot and also a spot for to bring children who don't care at all. Yeah, it was like 11 a.m. on on like a weekday. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like yeah. a bunch of three-year-olds screaming yeah. the whole time. Mm-hmm. It was very good. But they're learning about the environment. I took a lot of pictures of the fish ladder signs. They were incredibly fun. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mixel91 mm-hmm. asked, hypothetically, how would each of you multi-class your character? I loved the class of the captain from Valdas. I love the idea of having the first mate that you also control. And I think that would be a really fun direction for Troy to grow into. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll pass because I have no idea. Julia? I'd have to think about it because you know me. I love a good build. I think I might like fuck around with murder yeah. and make that like really interesting because Cammy's pretty beefy in terms of like HP and stuff like that. So I think that would be like an interesting way to approach it and i think it would be really cool to mix witch with some sort of divine clericy class mm-hmm. that would be cool nice i like, don't even know how these would mix together for multi-classing like i already <laughs> black out i don't even like look at the multi-classing options because in like the book it's like yeah multi-classing's broken have fun yep but i wouldn't even know how to mix the valdas ones together from Moss Sentient Rock and Rachel Becca, does everyone in Vertistello speak the same language? Are there dialects? I think we've established there are dialects because we know about Cragish French. Mm-hmm. We do. Yeah, we sure. do. And Moss mm-hmm. was like, hey, like, you know, there are obviously regional dialects, but like has one taken over like English kind of has and like we made it take over uh, to be sort of like the de facto language spoken across countries. That's an interesting or, question. Or is there like a Star Trek universal translator situation happening? You know? I cannot think of a way to express this, and maybe because you need to think about it really hard, but it's like the way that people usually express this is through the analogs of European countries and fantasy races is like, oh yeah, all the dwarves are Scottish and then all the elves are this and all the blanks are this. So it's like, I can't think of a way to express that in a way that makes any sense. But I think that there are definitely dialects. I think they all started as one language and then kind of like changed as it being in different places. But I think that like, the why I like being in the Great Salt Sea is like everyone needs to communicate with each other, which is why I like that we have Amber and all that stuff. So it's like the answer is yes. I just have not figured out a way to express it on the podcast. Well, we can yeah. gotcha. we can get Dr. Gretchen McCulloch to come in and and <laughs> kind of do the the you know language analysis of um of Verticello. My head canon is that the dialects are not yet separated enough from the common root 
that they are all still mutually understandable, which is the case with lots of language in lots of places, German and Yiddish, like all, all kinds of things where like you can you can still understand your neighbors. And so there isn't like one that's taken over more so than there is like common roots where you can get it. And you're just like, oh, it's so funny how they say Amber. Yeah. <laughs> there's also just like because we're humans, there's just like such an inherent idea of tribalism. And like, why do you have a language? Because you have a country, because you're a people. And just like I do not have the brain power to like deal with that in this world in this world and not something I want to explore so it's like I German and Yiddish is a very good example it's like well why does Yiddish exist because the Jews who are in one place talk to each other enough and combine it with the stuff that they in Aramaic and and ancient Hebrew and created this thing blah 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 right and it's like Germans saw it as like the blasphemers German right so it's mm -hmm. like the the ideas of where languages come from are to kind of get into it a little bit too much They're for me always, to like explore. Yeah, it. contextualize with with yeah. society. But instead, like I'll fucking throw I I will I'll I'll fill it in like with the French thing, right? Yeah. With being in the being in the big forest. Like, yeah, they all sound French because they are trying to be separatists, and I thought that was funny. I think the next thing you need to do to really level up your GM game, Eric, is learn every language. <laughs> If you could just go ahead and do that. No, no, no. I got to invent languages, Brandon. That's the oh, only yeah, way I'll yeah. be respected and they'll let me on Dimension 20. <laughs> yeah, Got to yeah. be the con lag, bro. Yeah, that's on me. All right, guys. We're going to have here our penultimate section is a little bit of question. What is it called? Quick time in Mario Party? Oh, is that what it's called? You, you mean quick time events, mini games? Yes, we're going to have a quick time event of quick time questions from Moss's Sentient Rock. All right, so Moss has given us a, uh, a huge list of incredible questions that I will be drawing from in future after parties. I'm going to read the question out, and the first person to answer takes the question off the board, and then I'm going to have to go to another one. So we're, oh, okay. so we're using the Moss to direct us towards, like following Moss to find where the river is. It's exactly It's directing right. us through. Mm -hmm. um, I learned that I was next to Brandon on a plane, and I was Delta watching flight. a documentary. Mm -hmm. and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you mm -hmm. want us to buzz in or just immediately answer? No, just say it. Just say it. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's your character's guilty pleasure? Tea. <laughs> nice. It's only guilty if you had an upbringing making you feel guilty. <laughs> if non cami had a familiar, what would it be? Brandon, do you have like a little lighter or like a little eternal flame that can't get too close to your things? A living flame would be really cute. I think it would be a little pear. Just a little pair that ambles around with me, you know? That's great. Okay. That's great. I kind of love that in, like, it would be, I don't know, this feels like such an archetype to me, but, like, having a little, maybe it's a Dr. Honeydew and Beaker situation that exactly. you have a little pair that goes beep, 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 and, and you're exactly. like, and you're like, it's going to be fine, and then it blows up in your face. Exactly. That's very yeah. exactly what I was thinking. I also really love that because there are so many options in the Find Familiar spell that are just fucking useless. <laughs> so a pair would be among those really useless kind of familiars, I feel like. What's the most precious thing your character owns? I think Troy definitely has the, uh, he's like a, a part of like a, like a memento from a comrade. Uh, and I think that handkerchief that he tore up and gave half to three lips, the other half is the most precious thing to him. Mm -hmm. That or um, the muscles. closest barrel to him at any given oh, moment. Of course. That barrel's <laughs> his best friend. And at any given moment, Troy walks into a room, figures out if there's a fire, what's he going to save? The answer is the closest barrel to him. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Not his companions, the closest barrel. No, that's the train. Small school children across the room, and he's no, like, "Where's sorry. the barrel?" I, lo I love this. Is your Kingsguard training? <laughs> if there's a fire, what do I save? Yep. That's pretty good. Uh, which PC or NPC has been part of a pyramid scheme? 
Umby. Havana Tropicana. Oh, it's also oh Havana no! Tropicana. And and Arello. Arello is a fop. Of course, Arello is a pyramid. Arello scheme. started the pyramid scheme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Arello is like level three, where like Arello goes on retreats, but is not mm. in the inner circle. Be yeah, like, yeah. All right. So what you have to do is I'm gonna <laughs> give you I'm gonna give you this box, and then you sell the box to three other people, and they <laughs> sell the box to three other people. Incredible. Yeah, he has a healthy downstream, but not a lot of upward potential. <laughs> he hasn't gotten the uh, the pink Cadillac ship yet. Very Nailed good. It. Nailed it. And Julia, perfect segue into finally, um, which country has the best public transportation? What is it like? Not Overstock. It's probably Hothouse. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Engineered. I'm imagining a lot of like elevators that go like like a sky tram, harkening back to campaign two, like little little elevators that can go every which way. Mm-hmm. I think it's got like a what's it called? Like the magnetic speed rails like mm-hmm. Japan has. Yeah. I think they invent the bus like once every six months though. <laughs> yeah. Like There's a lot bus. of disruption in the market oh, yeah. when it doesn't need to be disrupted. They're like constantly mm. building and unbuilt and like tearing things down. They're mm. un- they're truly unbuilding it. Right? Because um, like that would be everybody's thesis. I think that they have like real in a real like Hunger Games tech sort of way. I've been thinking about this a lot because I we saw some movies lately and I keep seeing the prequel Hunger Games movie, which is just like Hunger Games, but it's World War II, which is so funny. So, but it's like, I keep thinking about this, like when people like accidentally invent eugenics or like a poll tax every, it's like, no, instead of paying for your subway ticket, you have to do a word problem. And it's like, no, that's bad too. That's also bad. You can't make people do that. Yeah, no, that's uh, bad. I hate it. (laughs) Hey, you want to go around and say that we all we all think it's bad? We can all say it's bad. <laughs> yeah, poll taxes are bad. Yeah, I don't want to live in that world. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> good, 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 good. Just want to get on record that we all think eugenics is bad. Yeah, if we yeah. can just go around really quickly. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Eugenics bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty <laughs> whack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, speaking of other non-controversial takes, it's time to spoil the plank. <laughs> time to spoil the plank, people. So many questions from people ask, just asking me what's going on. And I'm like, I can't tell you. I just can't tell you. All righty. Let's jump right in with uh, from A through Z. Does Baba Rutabaga have such a line on Nani such that she could spy through Cammy through her or maybe even force Nani to do something that works against Cammy? God, I hope not. But who can say? Word. Who can say? Hey, what do you guys think? <laughs> Can we go back to the part where we said controversial opinions? No, go know. away. I don't know what I don't know what you're talking about. From I'm not a goldfish. Since Audrey shows up everywhere the crew has been, and she and Cammy are BFFs, shrug emoji or something for eye emojis. Is Cammy maybe double cursed to pave the way for Audrey wherever Audrey wants to go, and is unknowingly at Audrey's beck and call? Well, regardless of the answers to Audrey, I mean, we know that Cammy is like quadruple like every curse is just upon cammy right so that's just how cammy lives life julia looks (laughs) so sad confuddled cammy's like i don't necessarily think i'm cursed Hmm." (laughs) and then everyone in the labyrinth is like yes you are leave (laughs) who can say powers and then you had to share a boat with umby and then Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and then you gave Havana the book of the book of the path. Shut up. <laughs> EP fella says a fifth type of green folk. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah, we also don't know. Mm-hmm. Who can say? Who can I rolled say? so low. Who knows? I'm sorry. I don't know. 
Ceci uh, says, is the maze related to Square King Commander Vineyard? <laughs> I don't think so. No, but that was really funny that you said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mage Silverleaf, what's the relationship between the planter and the harvester? I would love to know. I just love, I forgot that you guys didn't even know the name of the character was the harvester. Yes. Yet. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yes. I, did, I cannot believe that. Yeah, you're going to hear us find out. Uh, it's so good. Um, speaking of which, Katja says, is the pumpkin seed harvester a creature that can be reasoned with or won over? Or do they just serve their one specific purpose? Like, could you talk to them if you wanted to? Who can say? Who can Who say? Who can say? Uh, from Fred. Hey, is... can one of you try to just talk to the harvester? Just like ask him some questions. I'll get right on that. Take a chair and turn it around and be like, hey, dude. <laughs> Pull a lamp right over you. Yeah. From Fred, is the harvester taller than the maze walls? How is he able to track the party? Who can say? I mean, that one's like say? some magic skill or something probably. I don't know, but who can say? Mm-hmm. And finally, I think the question on all of our minds from Mel118, will we ever find out who's behind the carvings and the keys? Has all of this happened before? I think we'll definitely find out who's behind everything. But I can't say for sure whether this has all happened before. What if we just ended this campaign like 10 episodes before Eric actually reveals anything? It's just like, yeah, that's I, the end I, of the campaign. We got can- something we definitely do. HBO yeah. canceled us. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do it. Um, I'm just like, I know that we kind of blew past it, but like, I'm just surprised that I, guess, I think Camby's the only one who's like, unsettled by the fact that someone created a device to create something divine. Mm. Yeah. I'm pretty unsettled by it and I made it. I am too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think. Hmm. And you have it on your ship and you also have it on your ship now. Yeah. Parked right outside the divine labyrinth, baby. I'm sure nothing's going to happen there. I don't know that I'm unsettled by it because like one, we don't know that it actually works Two, It could just be that like, you know, sort of like two toddlers hitting blocks together trying to make it work. Like like the divine part might not have anything to do with it. They might have just been like trying to find the salmon. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Listen, Brandon, isn't that just what the like um, the particle accelerator is? It's like we are children putting blocks together and seeing if anything happens. Yeah, that's true. Except they're particles. Yeah. 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 So, like, it could be equally likely in my head right now, at least, that like they do have some divine intention or some like specific intention, or the particles hit, it explodes, and they unintentionally, you know, create some divine thing, you know. But I guess intention doesn't really matter in that instance. It still happens either way. But yeah. <laughs> precisely. Eric just gave me eyes. I'm. I'm not. I didn't say anything. Just whatever. I'm not saying that their intentions are divine. I'm saying that like. I guess I don't have a better word for it, but mm-hmm. it's like the keys are important. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. I'm I'm unsettled. I'm certainly unsettled by the by the key mold. Yeah, but don't we think don't we just assume that everyone is trying to do this? Like a lot of places are trying to do this. You know? From from how other people have talked to us about thinking that the keys were real, like many of them have dismissed it. Some of them are like, Oh, like I thought I, I I'm surprised you think that they're real also. Mm-hmm. Um I am kind of validated and also a little concerned that it's mm-hmm. like a state project for Hot House. So, so I am excited, uh, and I think that means that we're on the right track and pursuing them is a, a good idea. Uh, the next time a, a hater tells us that that's just a riddle, we know that's not. It's also like fucked up too because you know, as pirates, we're searching for the keys as they exist. The idea that like someone can go about trying to create them, I think, is so. Um, it's against the whole thing. That's what that's it's game breaking. The whole thing. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, it could be, there could be a fool's errand. They could, might not be able to, you know? Who knows? Yeah, we don't know. I'm excited for the Sea Whip to fight an entire country's navy. <laughs> I'm not. Again, I don't want to fucking go to war. Well, at least there's nothing written down saying that the Sea Whip did it. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Too true. So I plan the things that happen one session at a time, but I do have a rough idea of things happening everywhere. Like, yeah, dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Eric's bouncing as if we're about to tell him to go run a foot race. <laughs> I think like, and not to go back to this episode, but like, I think the thing that concerned me the most about that, like being a privateer seemed like a great idea until we realized that these were like two countries and that this was like so involved in the keys and it was mm-hmm. at a much higher level than I think any of us anticipated this heist yeah. being This at. conspiracy goes all the way to the top, Julia. Well, that's why I was so excited that you guys were so bad at the door because yes. the heist turned into two full episodes of figuring shit out. Yes. And then the end, you guys got out in the various ways that you got out, right? But so it's like, oh, wow, we just like had fun playing D&D. Oh, there's an international incident involving three countries that we just walked into. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you motherfuckers. I just wanted to talk. I know we kind of like now we're in the Divine Labyrinth, but I and then Drew's happened immediately afterwards. But I just wanted to touch on that for a second. Yeah, it's true. It's a pirate's life for me. It's fucked up. Lots to do, lots to figure out, and a lot more coming down the pike for all of us here at Join the Party. So remember, become a patron, ask questions in the conversation pit, uh, enjoy the party planning uh, coming out in a week and change. And guys, tune in on Tuesday for a brand new episode. Woo! Woo! We! Yar! Arr! Avashi! All right, folks. May your rolls trend ever upward. I'll sing you a song. Is what I was gonna say. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Here you say excited. it. You, then you say it. No, no, no it's okay. Julia, please. Julia, you say it. <laughs> I don't want. Julia, you can say it. You I do don't it. Wanna, yeah. All right, Amanda, please. <laughs>